Today we finish off chapter two in Shmuel Bet, God willing, and it's an action-packed chapter. It introduces us to B'nai Tzruya, the sons of Tzruya, Yoav, Avishai, and Asael. They're part of the nucleus of David's army, and they're always referred to as the sons of Tzruya, even though Tzruya is the mother, actually, and not the father. Usually you don't see that. Usually when we give a name of somebody, it's the son of the father, not the mother, and we don't even know who the father is. But we know Tzruya. Tzruya is actually David's older sister. And so she's the prominent parent, not the father. And so Yoav and his brothers are always called by her name. Yoav ben Tzruya, Avishai ben Tzruya. Now it could be that they're named as her sons and not the father's sons because they have her temperament. Maybe they got that from her, that they got those fighting genes. And sometimes they can get out of hand. Every time David has problems with them, he says, Bernay Tzruya, too much for me sometimes. So maybe that's a characteristic in the mother, so they're called B'nai Tzruya. Anyway, Yoav and Avner, they square off. They don't like each other very much. They have very similar personalities. You know, each one is a captain of the army, and they're both very, very zealous for their Malchut. Avner's Mishuga for the house of Saul, and Yoav's Mishuga for the house of David. And you need somebody like that. You know, every movement ne- needs guys who are Mishuga Ladavar, as they say. People who go all out at all times. And they could be problematic because they're too zealous for the movement or for the idea. But you need guys like that. The problem is when they clash, that here they confront each other. So when Avner suggests Yisachaku and Arim, let the lads play, and he's not talking about playing marbles, of course Yoav is going to agree because he's the same way. Anyway, we saw last week that Avner's men started to lose to David's men and they're retreating. And Rabbi Steinjeltz mentioned something interesting in his commentary. It could be that David's men were more skillful and battle-tested because we know that Saul's army got wiped out in the last war against the Philistines. So Avner has these new guys, maybe, these Tironim, as they say, green behind the ears, and they're maybe not up to the skill level of David's men. In any event, in the last verse we read, Asael ben Suria, the youngest ben Suria brother, he decides to chase Avner down and tries to kill him. But Avner, with an unbelievable kind of maneuver, instead of turning around to face Asael, which is what Asael would have expected, he just kind of flips his spear out and Asael runs right into the backside, into the butt end of the spear, which is also sharp. That's the side of the spear that Avner purposely flipped and that just kind of added to the element of surprise because the spear came from a different direction than Asael might have expected. And the verse says that Asael, he was struck in the Chomesh. Chomesh means five. So it's translated as the fifth rib. But we're talking about the part of the body which is right below the rib cage where the liver is located. And the verse says like this, And the spear went right through him and came out from behind him. That is, the spear went through his back, but it entered on the butt side of the spear. And he fell there. And he died in his place. So these verses describing the way Asael fell dead, they seem to be, you know, superfluous. It says, And he fell there. And he died in his place. So why do you need that extra half a sentence? And he fell there. Or, and he died in his place. But why? And he fell there and he died in his place. What is that? So it teaches us that when he went down, he went down. The Dat Mikra says that the verse says, and he fell there and he died in his place to show that he died right where he fell. And that's what the Malbim also says, the low pirper, 
Parpar is a butterfly. He didn't quiver. You know, usually when you die, I guess you don't die right away. The body moves a little bit. It quivers. It's mit parper, as they say. But no, he was down. He was out. He didn't move. That's what it means. It means that he went down in a heap and died on the spot. And verse 23 concludes, and everybody who came to the place where Asael had fallen dead, Vayamdu, they stood still. They stood there. That is, these soldiers were chasing down Avner and the people of Binyamin. And when they saw Asael dead on the road, Vayamdu, they stood there. So the Dat Mikra says that they stood at attention to give him kavod, to give him honor. They didn't want to just pass him like it's nothing and continue chasing Binyamin. So they stopped in their tracks and it was hard for them to go on because of the great sorrow to see Asael laying like that. So that's the Dat Mikra. It was a matter of honor, a matter of sorrow. Most commentators say something else, which doesn't necessarily contradict to what we said up to now. It says they stood there. That means they were stunned. Vayamdu. They stood in shock. That is, they stopped the chase and they stood there in shock. Imagine what they see. Asael is laying there dead with a spear through his back, a spear that penetrated him from the dull side, the butt part of the spear. That is one scary image. It is not something that happens every day. And so it's kind of freaky. And that's why they stood there saying, what is this? They were shocked at the spectacle. Rabbi Kahana adds another reason why the verse says, Vayamdu, and they stood there. And it's kind of similar to the Dat Mikra, the first perush I gave. Besides the amazement of this spectacle, but the death of Asael, who was probably loved by all, not only shocked them, but it caused them to contemplate or ponder the severity of this war. So it says they stood there. Yeah, they stood there and realized, oh my God, we got a civil war in our hands and it's going to get worse because everybody knows that Yoav isn't going to rest until he takes revenge against Avner. They stood there and they realized that this is going to be a long, brutal fight. And it's not going to end anytime soon. Okay, verse 24. Now remember, everybody is standing there around Asael, stunned at what they see. But Yoav and Avishai, Asael's brothers, no, they're not going to stand there. They want to get Avner. No standing around for them. So it says like this, Vayirdefu Yoav, Avishai, Achrei Avner. And Yoav and Avishai pursued Avner. And the verse continues, and then the sun set and they came to the hill of Amah, which was near a place called Giach, on the way to the Givon Desert. So we see that all this is taking place in the hills of Binyamin. And then it says in verse 25, as Yov and Avishai are chasing Avner, what happens? And the men of Binyamin rallied or gathered around Avner. And they became one unit, Al Rosh Kivat Achad, and they stood on the top of a hill. Okay, so when the men of Binyamin see that Yoav and Avishai are pursuing Avner, all of them, it says, they gather around Avner, they rally around him in solidarity, Aguda Achad, one unit, and they stood on a hill. So they're strengthening their position, being on a high place, rallying around Avner, the captain. And because of that, there's no way that Yoav and Avishai can harm Avner now. 
Now, what comes next is an interesting conversation between Avner and Yoav. But first, I wanted to bring what Rabbi Kahana says, something very interesting about this verse where it says that the men of Binyamin gather around the kapsu from the word kibbutz. They rally around Avner as one unit. What you see in this verse is something we've mentioned before, the unity of the tribe of Benjamin. You see that expressed here so strongly, and we've talked about this before, the story of the Pelegish Begiva, when the men of Binyamin did not inform on their fellow tribesmen, and they probably should have in that story. And if you recall, I think it was chapter 22, when Saul was standing there with his spear, and it says the men of Binyamin were around Nitzav, Saviv Shaul, they're around Saul, they're with him. Even though Saul was having his crazy attacks, the men of Binyamin are with him. They're loyal. So that's the secret to Binyamin's success, really, is their unity. And that partly explains why even after Saul died, you have a very strong infrastructure that had been set up, and that's why David can't break through. And a lot of that has to do with the unity of the tribe of Binyamin, because unity is always strength. Even if they don't have a charismatic king anymore, they have unity, and that's an advantage. And you really see their unity in this episode that we're learning here, because even in defeat, they're rallying around Avner, one unit. And so you see here the love and the loyalty they have for each other. Okay, so where are we? Avishai and Yoav, they were chasing Avner, but now they have to stop because the Benjaminites have joined Avner now. And now Avner and Yoav are going to have a small conversation. And it goes like this in verse 26. Avner says to Yoav, which literally means, is the sword going to devour us forever? Meaning, how long are we going to keep killing each other? And he continues, don't you know that this thing is going to end in a bad way? In Hebrew, it says, don't you know it will be bitter at the end? This is not going to end well. When are you going to finally tell your men to stop the chase? Stop chasing your fellow Jews. Instruct your men to stop chasing their fellow Jews. So what Avner is saying to Yoav is, look, if this war continues and there's no reconciliation, it's going to be brutal. And according to the Mitzvah David, Avner is also saying that if this continues, one of us is going to die, me or you. That's what it means, this is going to end bad. So that may be a subtle warning to Yoav to maybe scare him a little bit. According to the Dat Mikra, Avner is saying, Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, they're going to be too weak to fight their enemies. We're so busy killing each other that we're becoming vulnerable to an attack by our enemies. And so that's what he means, that it's going to end badly. Okay, so Avner said his peace, and he's saying words of peace. That is, he said his peace, P-I-E-C-E, and they're words of peace, P-E-A-C-E. No more war, no more bloodshed. So, so Yoav answers him like this, and Yoav said, as the Lord lives, or for God's sake, if you hadn't spoken, that is, if you hadn't started this whole thing, when you said, let the boys play before us, if you hadn't said that, if you hadn't spoken, we all would have been home a long time ago. Nobody would be chasing anybody. So Avner was saying to Yoav, how long are you going to keep up this chase? And Yoav said, hey, if you hadn't started this whole thing when you said, let the lads play, 
Nobody would be chasing anybody. So don't give me this peace and brotherhood stuff. Don't preach to me because you're the one who started it. So we see by Yoav's response, he sees Avner as being you know, hypocritical. Suddenly he wants to make up. Now to me, when Avner said, are we going to kill each other forever? Is the sword going to devour us forever? Which means that he wants to avoid further confrontation and violence. I believe that he feels really bad that he killed Asael. Obviously, it was in self-defense. And we saw the words, Asael he was chasing him, he was pursuing him. He was in the halachic category of a rodef. So Avner was justified, but he probably doesn't feel too good about it. And we're going to see later on in a very interesting midrash that Avner and Yoav are going to have a conversation or an argument about the way Avner killed Asael. Yoav is going to accuse Avner of killing his brother. And Avner says, it was self-defense. He was a rodef. And Yoav will say to him, well, you could have wounded him. You don't have to kill him because that's halacha too. You can wound the pursuer. You don't have to kill him. So Avner said, I tried to wound him, but I couldn't. I'm not that exact. It was an accident that I killed him. I was trying to wound him. So Yoav answers him, wait a minute, you struck him in the chomesh, in the perfect area to kill a guy, in the area of the liver and the gallbladder, under the ribs. You were able to do that. You're telling me you couldn't have wounded him? Anyway, that's a conversation we're going to see in the Talmud later on. Let's go on. Yoav has given up the chase. It's futile now. And it's time to go back. And it says like this in verse 28, And Yoav blew the shofar. And all the troops came to a halt. And they no longer chased Israel down anymore. And they didn't fight anymore. So Yoav blows the shofar. And there are all kinds of shofar blows. We're used to seeing the shofar as a call to war, right? They blow the shofar to go out to war. But it could also be used, like it is here, to desist from fighting. It depends on what kind of shofar blows you use. You know, you got trua, tria, shvarim, all kinds of different shofar blows. And Yoav blows the shofar to desist from fighting. Now, it's true that the verse says that Yoav blew the shofar and the troops halted and there was no more fighting. But that doesn't mean there's peace between the two camps. It's more like a temporary ceasefire, we'll call it. Especially since Yoav isn't going to let Avner slide on what happened to his brother. And to show there's no real peace. We'll see in the next couple of verses how wary each group is of the other because they're both going to return to their army bases without stopping to rest because they still don't trust each other. Okay, it says in verse 29, And Avner and his men went all that night through the plains, back across the Jordan, and they continued through the morning hours and came to Machanayim. And on this verse, the Mitzvah David writes, Ki pachad pitom. Because Avner feared that Yoav would suddenly come upon them. So Avner wants to get out of there as quickly as possible. And he keeps going, as the verse says, through the night, no resting, no stops. He's got to watch his back. He knows Yoav and Avishai aren't going to give it up. Okay, so that's Avner. And what about Yoav? Verse 30. Vayoav shav mechre Avner. And Yoav stopped chasing Avner. Obviously, he's not going to chase Avner in the middle of the night through the territory of Binyamin. So it says that Yoav stopped chasing Avner. And he assembled all the army. 
Asael. And he counted the men, and there was missing from David's men 19 soldiers and Asael. So before returning home, he does a head check to see how many of his soldiers have fallen. And the verse says, besides Asael, 19 were missing. Literally, the verse says that the number of slain were 19 men and Asael. So the sages ask, why is Asael mentioned separately? Why say 19 and Asael? So they say, because he was equal to all of them. That's why he's mentioned separately. And that same Midrash gives other examples. When you have that, like when it says, Solomon loved many women and Pharaoh's daughter. Well, wasn't Pharaoh's daughter one of his wives? So why does the verse say he loved many women and Pharaoh's daughter? Why is she isolated? So the verse singles her out to teach us that she was comparable to all of Solomon's wives, meaning that she caused him to sin as much as all the other wives combined. Likewise, the loss of Asael was felt as keenly as the loss as all the other 19 soldiers put together. So we see that Asael, you know, he was an up and coming superstar. He had the genes, he's a Ben Surya, the kid brother of Yov and Avishai. And as we mentioned, at the end of Shmuel Bet, there's a listing of King David's 36 strongest guys, his Giborim, and Asael was on that list, we'll see that. And so a very serious soldier of Israel fell that day. And that's what happens during a war like this. A war of Jew versus Jew creates a lot of bad karma. Horrible things happen. Asael gets killed by the opposite end of a spear. And what began as a game became a bloodbath. Why? Because it's a civil war. And anything bad that can happen will happen. That is Hasatan Mekatreg. The accuser is accusing. It's like Murphy's Law, whatever you want to call it you're going to have tragic results and freaky results like we see with Asael when you have brother versus brother fighting like this. Okay, so if you think that a lot of David's men were killed, 19 plus Asael, let's see what happened to the other side. After saying that David lost 19 plus one, it says like this in verse 31, And David's men had slain of Binyamin of Avner's men, 360. So the final score was 360 slain men from Benjamin and only 19 from David. So what we see here is an indication of David's mounting strength in contrast to the strength of Ishboshit. And as the Raubach points out, the beginning of the next chapter is going to say like this, and David got slowly stronger and Ishboshit slowly weaker. So this verse this incident at Givon is indicative of that. And again, as we said earlier, this was an unjustified war for both sides. But that doesn't mean Hashem's not going to use it to start to actualize David's claim to the throne. Because again, God works through natural means. And Rabbi Kahana mentions that this victory for the house of David, it could have been a warning to Saul's backers and to Ishboshet and Avi there that maybe you should, you know, forfeit your claim and hand it over to David, you know, take the hint. But of course they don't. And notice, by the way, the verse says that 360 were killed from Anshay of Ner. Ishboshet isn't even mentioned because the whole reason the tribes are going with Saul's son is because of Avner. He is the main guy. And now one final verse to close the chapter, verse 32. And they carried Asael and buried him in his father's grave which is Bethlehem. So they carefully carry Asael's body. They bury him in Bethlehem. Remember Yishai, 
who's the grandfather of Asel, right? So Asel ben Sruya is buried in Beit Lechem. Now listen to how this thing ends. And Yov and his men went all that night. They traveled all that night until the light broke upon them in Hebron. So it's not just Avner who's in a hurry to get home. Yoav too is traveling all night without stopping to get back to Hebron. Because just as Avner is wary of Yoav and doesn't trust him, Yoav is wary of Avner. So he is out of there and he goes back without stopping. And Rabbi Kahane gives another reason why maybe Yoav was in a hurry to get to Hebron. He says like this, Yoav was in a hurry to get back. He wanted to tell David the mafnechad, the sharp turn, the dramatic change that had taken place now, that the relation between the two kingdoms have taken a dramatic turn. Avner and Ishboshet was soundly defeated and David might be in the uppity up now. And that's why Yoav was in a hurry to get back. And in our next chapter, we'll return to the relationship between the house of David and the house of Saul.